Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fuckalos? That's a new one. I can't believe they're still coming in. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I had a, a very a profoundly existential modern moment when I was sitting at my computer on Twitter for probably hour number two of just compulsively looking at tweets and tweeting. And I had a moment where I thought, and this was a deep, dark moment where I thought, man, I don't think I have any more tweets in me. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm tweet tapped. I'm done. I've done all the tweeting I can do. And it was a sad moment. I felt empty and alone in a very profound way. And it was ridiculous, just fucking ridiculous that that was a real moment I had. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm depleted of tweets. Before I forget to do this, which I, I do often, I will be in Denver at the Comedy Works, April 6th and 7th. That's tomorrow and Saturday. Come down, go to WTFPod.com to check my schedule in a general way or find out details about that show. Uh, okay, I did that. On the show today, the wonderful John Glazer, the insanely funny John Glazer from the show, uh, the Adult Swim show, Delocated, and many other things. I've known John a long time. But uh, before I get to that, before I get to John, I was reading this article that gave me hope but also gave me some sadness. Uh, it was in the New York Times. I believe uh, someone, of course, someone sent me the uh, the link thinking he actually wrote in the link that uh, that I'm sure a million, everyone has sent you this article. It's called uh, Where Have All the Neurotics Gone by a guy named Benedict Carey. And he's talking about something I've sort of wondered about is that especially in comedy, I've talked about this before, that there was a style of comedy that was very popular during the 70s and maybe the early 80s of the standard kind of the neurotic character. And my belief was that uh, that most of the neurotics have been sort of uh, you know shut down vis-a-vis -vis medication, that the culture had become medicated, you know, both uh, semantically and, and, uh, and, and literally, and uh, there was no patience for it anymore. But this has a couple of different ideas uh, about it. One of the ideas in the in the piece was that uh, that because the uh, the DSM whatever the psychiatric uh, you know diagnostic manual kind of broke neurotics into several different areas. You know, you got depressives, you got your anxiety people, you got your obsessive compulsive. These are all components of the the general neurotic. So the neurotic you know became sort of hackneyed or sort of tired or or it was taken out of use. The the term neurotic. And now it's used as sort of dismissive. It's like, he's neurotic. Well, it's a gift. It's a fucking gift. All right? That's what, I'm defending the neurotic. But, uh, but he goes on. There's a couple of quotes in here that I think it's, it's interesting that as we lose the definition of the neurotic, you know, for you know, practical purposes, he says, but in the process, we've lost entirely the romance of neurosis as well as its physical embodiment, a restless, grumbling, needy presence that once functioned in the collective mind as an early warning system, an inner voice that hedged against excessive optimism. I'm still here. Man, I wish I could use that in my press package. 
In today's era, going back to the article, of exquisite confusion, political, economic, and otherwise, the neurotic would be a welcome guest, nervous company for nervous days, always ready to provide doses of that most potent vaccine against gloominess, wisecracking, urbane gloominess. There you go. I'm still here, man. I'm still fighting the good fight. I wave my neurotic flag high. I'm not afraid of it. I, but see, I never even thought I was neurotic. See, I always thought I was being reasonable. But then it, it, he goes on to quote this other dude. And I don't know if this is really true, but I think it's interesting. Uh, quote, people of all ages today, and most especially young people, are awash in self-confession, not only in the reality show of pop culture, but in the increasingly public availability of almost every walking thought through Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. If chronic Facebook or Twitter posting is not an exercise in neurosis, then nothing is. Man, what is happening? Then he quotes this guy. Let me keep reading. Quote, I think some of the qualities we once attributed to neurotics have simply been normalized, unquote, said Peter N. Stearns, a historian at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and author of the forthcoming book, Satisfaction Not Guaranteed, Dilemmas of Progress in Modern Society. That sounds like a book I should have and don't read. Quote, I don't have hard evidence for this, but just look around and observe how we live. We've become so accustomed to people with continual worries and fears that it's made the category obsolete. The classic neurotic is still with us, all right, but with a lot more company and everyone trying to talk over one another. Put it this way, these are ridiculous times, and if it all makes sense to you, there's probably something wrong, unquote. So what is basically being said here, and I think it's a proud moment for me and all my listeners, is that neuroticism is the new normal. So don't, uh, you know, just understand that uh, it, it hasn't gone mainstream because we're still marginalized by the positive thinkers, uh, the, the fascists that uh, think just by plowing ahead with, uh, you know, with blinders on and, and uh, affirming that everything will be okay, will just make everything okay. Uh, and I don't, I, I'm using fascist in a sort of lighthearted way, if that's possible. But uh, it seems that the culture is insanely neurotic and, and we've learned to live in it and adapt to it, which by proxy makes all of us neurotic. We're at least, I think, uh, many of, uh, of my ilk so I think there's a certain pride in that. Uh, neurotic has gone normal. Congratulations, uh, sensitive, depressed, anxious, worrying, panicked people who feel isolated from the pace of culture because there's a lot of people pretending out there to be okay. Rest reassured, we are the people that live in reality. <laughs> want to put those on or you're just going to eat yeah i mean you can you want to eat first or either way we can if you'd like to no i think you should eat and talk eat do, do it during sure yeah that's I fine mean, that's I mean, fine with me yeah there we go i want to make it clear to my audience that um uh, john glazer's here in, in the garage having some sausage uh <laughs> let me try to paint the picture for you john glazer's uh, about to take his first bite of a Chicken andouille sausage. Is that how you pronounce that? I'm not sure. The uh, New Orleans style sausage. A N D O U L L E. Is it andouille? Andouille. That's Andu what you got there. And so I we, cooked that up for him because he didn't eat. Here we go. I was trying to be very respectful of being on time. Yeah. But I was disrespectful to my stomach. I understand that. 
And so you were like, you said, is there any way I could uh, get some food? Mm-hmm. And I gave you options, and you're like, well, can I take a look? And what, what were the options again? I mentioned chicken, and then first, it turns the out fir- didn't. The first option was we got cashews, right. and uh, there was something else. Raisins. Nice raisins. And yeah, like, healthy. Nice, yep, healthy. I saw a fruit bar. Yeah. And then you brought up the sausage, and I was yeah. like, let's go. Let's, let's go. That sausage. sounds pretty No good. bread, though. Interesting. I didn't want bread. <laughs> why is that? Why? No, I eat them like that too, but I usually put some crap. I've eaten them like that. I'm not judging you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I thought you might be a sandwich guy. If, if anyone wants to know and try to contain your excitement, John and I are in the middle of a photo shoot for Emmy Magazine. Very, yeah, it's pretty, it's great. <laughs> this is probably, this is, uh, it conjures up that, what's that song? Looks like we made it. <laughs> I had to ask the guy, it's like, where do you, who gets this? He says, well, it's, uh, you know, there's members. And I'm like, uh-huh. It was also available at a couple of newsstands in, <laughs> in, in L.A. and New York. A couple. I'd love to see someone reading it on the plane. <laughs> I think I've seen it at like those real, you know, those newsstands that have thousand magazines where you walk yeah. up, you're like, who? The, well, I never had no idea there was this many magazines in the planet. Yeah, it's that place. Yeah. All right, here Here's we one. go. First bite. Okay, it do it. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Mm. How is it? Oh god! <laughs> oh, I forgot mustard. Hold on. How's that? Mm. Whoa! whoa that, right? That's strong. You said you wanted the horseradish because your nose was stuffed I'm up. Stuffed up. Whoa! Right? <laughs> That's really spicy. It's I know. Good, though. Do you want? I have several other kinds of mustard. Mm. You gonna be all right with that, or do I need to go no, get? It's delicious. It is right. Mm-hmm. Beer and brat mustard. Wow. I have to. I have to say, as as nice mm. as these guys are, it's the most intrusive photo shoot I've ever been part of. <laughs> Very subtle. The guy is. Yeah. He's holding a light the size of a tire, <laughs> while the other guy's hiding behind him, and the light makes a noise. That light noise is really. I mean, I was pretty clear. It's like we're doing a podcast. You won't be. A, you can just shoot around us. Yeah, you won't even notice. He's holding. A, you didn't say that. I made I didn't that say up. That. I was like, I didn't no, I, I made that. I would have been like, I'm going to be loud and proud. And yeah, and talking, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is my fucking moment. You're ruining it for me. <laughs> this is, you know, but wait, this is Emmy Magazine. <laughs> You're right. Apologies. This is cutting both ways here. Are you done? So you guys going to walk out or are we done? Do you want to shake hands or are we, are you, <laughs> thank you? Whatever, please. Thank you, guys. Thank All you right, very much. Don't let my cat out and, uh, let me know uh, where I can get the magazine. If I have to, do I have to drive to get the magazine? <laughs> do I have to go somewhere? You can only pick it up at this place. See, I'm being a dick, but I'm just—it's just for comedy. You did a great job. Thank you. Is there anything I? You, you need anything else? Uh, I'll do it. Thank you guys. Thanks, Thank guys. You. All right. Take care. Take care. Um, whew. That was ridiculous, man. Oh man, get a light that doesn't make noise. That light was ridiculous. Yeah, it's a huge light. <laughs> That, that was, was perfect. Noise. Yeah, they call it the old Jew light. I <laughs> yeah. If you listen closely, it was going. And then when you turn it off, it goes. Oh. Enough! Enough! Under its breath. Enough already. I think it was uh, John Lee, who's one of the guys that works on Delocated, had a funny joke of just when you say goodnight, saying goodnight to your kids, as you turn off the lights, you go, 
and seen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if a kid will abide by that. Don't some kids go, Dow, put the light back on? <laughs> yeah, but if you do, you say, no, I said and seen. You seem, we seem like you'd be, you seem like a, a good dad. You have a good dad personality. I think I should make it clear that you and I- on good dad vibe. Yeah. yeah. But I don't have kids, and I, and I'm I'm a panicky Jew. I don't know that. Uh, see, this is the weird thing with you is I, we go back. I remember you from uh, from before. <laughs> you know, there were you were always before. yeah. I mean, I think I don't know when did you get to New York? Did you do you were around Luna, weren't you? A bit, a little bit towards the end. I think towards the end, and then all of a sudden you were everywhere. It's like Glazer, 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 and you're always doing funny. Uh, Cream rises to the top, man. I know what you're saying. You can't help it. And then you showed up at Conan, <laughs> and I always thought you were like, "Why is that guy uh, mad at me? Why am I annoying him? Why does he think he's better than me?" <laughs> he barely talks that guy, but I'm getting a vibe from him. Why is he mad at me? <laughs> Did. What, don't am I making that up? Yeah, that's all made up. It is. I was never. No, I was never mad at you. I had no reason. We, we. I don't feel like we really knew each other that well in no, New York. I was always intimidated. <laughs> that's what it was. It's just all fear based. Yeah, go ahead, draw it's lines. All, it's all fear based, and it's coming from. Yeah, me. this guy does funny things that I can't explain because he. All you the know. fun times we could have had hanging out. I know didn't happen because you were too afraid. Yeah, you going, hang Why out. Why is this guy mad at me? Right, but you hang out with John Benjamin, who is the most difficult person to hang out with in the Extremely world. Extremely challenging. It is, and I say that as a he's. A very good friend yeah of yeah very and, difficult him and sam cedar i could they should they should have each other forever benjamin and i did a ton of stuff together yeah. we just don't not because of anything personal just being busy yeah and then we talked a little bit about that back in the kitchen there will be certain references <laughs> since we had a photo shoot with enemy magazine and john needed some tea and a sausage we uh, we got halfway through a lot of stories in this in several rooms in my house just make sure this is labeled as a special edition, like WTF, back in the kitchen. <laughs> back in the kitchen. We'll be referring back to that time we had when I was making the sausages. <laughs> I think that, yeah, the first time I saw you, I, my recollection was, the, you're, you're always very funny and I, and I laugh no matter what. You're, you're a very Thanks. naturally funny person. You have a great physical timing. We're all big fans here. Uh, that's just me. I've never referred to myself plural like that. Like yeah, here at the uh, here at the garage, a lot of talk. <laughs> I'm almost done with my sausage. This is a little rude, I think, even to the listener. No, you know who else ate? No, I'm just this is, I'm saying this to make you feel good. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Yeah, he ate an entire meal when I interviewed him. But I feel like I'm giving people. But I'm I was giving a hard time for for eating in front of people. You were giving a hard time for that? Yeah. Matt Walsh and I got in a really kind of funny but also serious argument once. We were driving somewhere and. I, I it was morning. We were, I think we we're going to play golf, mm -hmm. and I just got up and just went to meet him. And I didn't have breakfast, so I got a bagel with some stuff sure. on it. And he complained. He was smoking, okay. Mm -hmm. With so there's poison in the air. Yeah, and then he's complaining about the smell of my food and that it was rude. Yeah, how long ago was this? <laughs> uh, over ten years ago. You were playing golf. See, that's a, the one thing that. See, like I assume I know people. I almost didn't want to say that because I knew. No, I, I assume I know people. But now you're now you're John Glazer, uh, the guy who's not afraid to wear disco shorts, but he'll play some a uh, few rounds of golf. I Matt never Walsh. thought I would play golf. It always, you know, it seemed like a just an asshole sport and all that. It's the it's so much fun. Really, I mean, Walsh, so I can see enjoyable. playing golf. What was he smoking? A cigar. Just a cig no a, a cigarette. A, a cigarette. This is in the car on the ride up. Was he? Is he one of those guys that sort of like golf day is man's day? I'm going to smoke a cigarette because I don't see him as a smoker. I don't I remember feel him like smoking. He's pulled out a cigar yeah. on the golf. Course. Sure. 
Yeah, I can see him golfing. He seems to come from that. I, have, you know, I, but I, I don't. But you seem like a sportsman. You play basketball. I played a lot of sports, but yeah, yeah. No, I never played golf until like twelve. years All right, ago. so explain to me the joy of that bullshit game. <laughs> I mean, I'll try, and I'll sound like a fucking asshole because you can't help. Golf to me is it's so much fun, and it's the best, and it's the worst. Like you show every time I play. There's always just, you know, you pull up to the course and yeah. there's some just total fucking dick looking guy dressed yeah. all in his golf gear. You know, he's got his khakis and he's got the polo and it's a yeah. real crisp and yeah. new and the, you know, the wind sure. vest. It's a, it's a whole thing. And look, I love gear. Yeah. Like when it comes to just stuff, like I ride my bike everywhere and I have so much bike shit. And yeah. I'm sure people are like, look at this asshole. With like, his, what do you got? With his goggles and no, the you, hat and the, the. Do you have the little mirror? I don't have that. That's, Why that's you a have little. That? I don't think uh, it doesn't seem necessary. You can just look back quickly. Yeah, yeah. And it's mo- yeah. Have I've you had, ever been doored? Is that what they say? I have never been doored. I've had a couple close calls, but thankfully that's not happened. And when you almost get doored, do you shoot the stink guy? And, and what the fuck? I'm right here. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. I'm just double checking. So when you golf, what are we wearing? <laughs> look, when I golf, I look fucking good, man. <laughs> look fucking cool. I got my I got my Dickies double knee work pants on, <laughs> kind of old Quicksilver, yeah, yeah, you know, hip polo, uh-huh. you know, kind of you know my city sub hat, sure, you know, people know I'm like this guy doesn't give a shit, and I'm That's terrible, right. you're terrible, which makes golfer. it worse. I wish I was great so I could just dress like a total jerk. Matt Walsh, good, he's pretty good, but okay, so Benjamin's the- a very good golfer, no, excellent golfer. Come yeah. on, yeah, he's really good. John Benjamin, good athlete, yeah. Really good tennis player, really no, good ki- squash player. Really, uh huh. John Benjamin. John Benjamin. See, I think that these are closeted uh, behaviors. Like, I don't see John Benjamin talking publicly about his squash playing or about his. Tennis he may playing. be very upset if he finds out that I said that. But you're proud to be an athlete. But John Benjamin, I just I assume John just Ooh. being slightly. You're you're, you're fits. Now I'm sweating from the mustard. From the, the mustard. It's good though. It's good. But I just see John Benjamin sitting there, you know, above everybody else, making them feel smaller. I don't see him, you know, with squash goggles on in shorts. Like that means I don't he, know if he'd wear goggles. But that means he had a life where you know he was playing tennis as a as a younger man. Yeah, I think he was, from what I've heard, pretty good. Also, yeah, at, at tennis specifically, like junior, not champion, but pretty good high yeah. level. But yeah, he's a. It's always I'm always curious, like Amy Silver, his girlfriend. Yeah. I always feel like I always not always, but I told her once, you should write like a tell-all book about John Benjamin. You'd make so much money. So many people want to know. Like, yeah, what's he like? Is he what's he like when he's a sweetheart? Like <laughs> yeah. when you're at home and he's just saying sweet things. Like does he do those things even happen? <laughs> yeah, because you can't imagine them. No, you can't. You just imagine him <laughs> operating at that one horrible frequency. Oh, uh, Amy, uh, if you could, uh, you know, just that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love you, and. Uh, you're, you're, uh, <laughs> you guys are so fucking funny. Sorry, you, you're explaining to me the the you, like you lit up about golf. Like it's so fucking fun. I understand that you know you got a yep. like there's a zen to it and I'm embarrassed you know, if you if focus I did. and you know you might get it in the hole or close to the hole and it's all about how close to the hole you get it and how many things it takes you to get in the hole and you're outdoors you're with men uh, it's nice out uh, I get all that but fucking great time. It's still not adding up. Zen, sort of relaxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're only playing against yourself time. Mm-hmm. I get that. Though there's many of those things you mentioned I find enjoyable. About. Yeah. I do like being outside. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I mean, there's something about when you hit, it's so fucking hard. 
and there's so much focus, which I think is good. Right. And it is. It's so hard to hit the ball true. But yeah. when you do, it just feels great. Yeah. And it's satisfying. It's very much, you know, it's so addictive. Yeah. In the sense that you can play like shit. And then, you, you know, just the cliche is you hit the one shot. Oh, if I could do that every time. Oh, right. So you got to have that one moment. Yeah. Why, how, I, why, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do that every time. Right. You have to practice so much. Right. The miracle there. of like when you you hear the click of your, uh, what do you call it, club. And and everyone else looks up and goes, holy! The click of the club, yeah. And everyone here, everyone just the whole, everyone on the course goes, holy fuck! And you all just sit there and watch your ball float for but a few you wouldn't seconds. hear it. You would, I think if it's it's probably if, if it's that good, you're not going to hear it. What's just, the, is there a phrasing, a term? I think click of the club. <laughs> Let's just go with What's that. Like, <laughs> if there is a phrase, it's better. I don't know. I was thinking hit, it, like, hit it flush. Yeah. The sweet spot. The sweet spot. Click of the club is my new favorite. Yeah, okay. Well, let's try and integrate that <laughs> into the uh, lexicon of yeah. golf terms. But I think I was thinking of the click, the the bat, you know, when you hit a baseball mm-hmm. and that sound of the home run. What do you call that? The the pop. Isn't that just the sweet spot? When you hit that, it flush, yeah. No, you hit the sweet spot and you mm-hmm. hit it flush, but that sound, that pop, you know, like, you know, the when the, when the crowds Crack of the bat. Crack of the bat. Click of the club. <laughs> click of the club. Crack, crack of the of bat. The bat uh, smack of the stick. That's hockey. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep going with it. <laughs> smack of the stick. Swish of the net. Yeah, yeah. The whoosh of the... Whoosh. Yeah. Uh, the net, yeah. The, the whoosh, whoosh of the swish. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think, a dance thing. Um, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Uh, so all right, so where where did you come from, and what happened? I mean, were you because uh, I you know you're not a stand up. You just sort of appeared in New York, and you were sharing your physical uh, comedy genius with everybody. I came from Chicago via Chicago. You grew up there? No, outside Michigan, suburban Detroit. <laughs> suburban suburban Detroit. Is really? Where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Jews? Mm-hmm. How yep. Jewy? Uh, not very. Yeah. Just like, you know, dad, a little more conservative Jew. Yeah. I'm very reformed. Right. I'm very reformed. Right. Twice uh, a year you did the thing. If that. No, oh, really? Yeah. Maybe once. Did you do the big thing at 13? I did. I had yeah. a, yeah, but that's like when I was younger and more all about peer pressure and just, you know, what, what are the other, I, my mom, we went to this temple. It's a, it's a very reformed temple they had an organ humanistic judaism is what it's called i don't even know if god is a part of it yeah that means no guilt at all there's no it doesn't mean i don't even honestly i don't even know what it means but i don't think there's any isn't adonai is that god something like that i'm not sure i don't know i don't even think it's ever mentioned that word it's all about i think family and community yeah i never got the sense of god as a jew anyways it doesn't resonate for me it never has and uh even just going to temple and all the call and response i just felt like does everybody here know what they're saying no and does it mean anything do people obviously but you do it at the same time yeah everyone's doing it at the same time it just never it i never never resonated was there that time did you have that thing where like there was that time where it was just sort of free form and the old guys would daven (laughs) free form (laughs) and you're like you're just watching the old guys rock and then they somehow complete a a triple rocking motion and you know it's done (laughs) there's all yeah the davening yeah but i just i as a kid i'm like i don't know i'm just gonna do this i go to bar mitzvah just kind of sure all right i guess and here comes the tour and i get i I have to kiss my hand and touch my hand in the tour Right. right Yeah, I'll just do this. Sure. I guess. and it just, I did it, and it's just, I, I never really cared, but never understood what it was. Is and your wife Jewish? She's not. Oh, okay. But she's become more. I feel more Jewish than me. There's a mezuzah on our door, and I'm really? like, <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm like, all right. I mean, I don't mind having it up there, but 
I don't feel like we need it. But, Would, uh, and you have, you have two kids. You got a new one. Mm-hmm. We just yeah, we just uh, adopted a baby. And you got a, a six year old. He's oh, six next month. How are you? How are you going to deal with that sort of like God thing? <clears throat> it's uh, pretty interesting. We actually sent him to a preschool, which was a Jewish preschool. It was a Montessori school. Mm-hmm. And it's not wow. that we specifically sought out a Jewish school, right? But one of his friends was going to the school, and so yeah. we checked out an open house, and it seemed okay. It did, there was a very wide range of religious people. There were some people with yarmulkes and yeah. some very religious moms and uh, kids, and some much more reformed. Not I would. I, we were easily the most reformed, least Jewish people at the school. But Montessori, that's just like finger painting and blocks and a free for all, right? <laughs> I mean, what is Montessori? It's like an open environment. I think it's a lot of that. And he really responded. Like the school, that aspect of it was yeah. great. Yeah. The Jewish stuff made me, I have to say, very uncomfortable. Really? And yeah, because he'd come home and he'd start saying things like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Shabbat. <laughs> and I'd be like, yes, but it's also Saturday. <laughs> and just, I, it made me uncomfortable. And I felt like, all right, we're just, we're going to do this. We met a lot of, we did meet a lot of really cool parents there that we just became friends with and yeah. are still friends with. He's now in a public school. Right. And, you know, we moved to that neighborhood for this public school, which is great, but just ended up at this private school for preschool yeah. that was Jewish. And it was just, you know, that stuff just... <laughs> I just, now I just try not to, I don't bring it up. Yeah. And whenever it comes up, I just kind of try to move past it. And uh, it's weird because it'll, every now and then, like the word Hashem comes up and I just feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just try to keep not, I don't keep, talk. Yeah. I just keep the conversation going. Exactly. Exactly. I think once I actually said to him, let just, yeah, just keep it moving. And he said, what? And I said, nothing. <laughs> and I turned the TV on and I just walked into the bathroom and I shut the door and I cried. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I fucking just, I set the ball rolling and it can't, can't go back. What, you, what am I going to do, Hashem? <laughs> Hashem, I need you now. I need you to tell my son, stop no. <laughs> uh, tell him to lose the Hashem, Hashem. It is what, weird. I, but just to hear kids do it to me is very, very strange. When I see Orthodox Hasidic kids, I'm like, what? That is to me the most, the, cra- it's craziness. Yeah. It is a little bit. It scares me. Just I get very nervous around them. Oh, my God. I don't know what to do. No, it's. I, I think it's bizarro. Of course it's bizarre. it is. To me, it's when you see the like the kids with the payas, I feel like, what are you doing? It's brain, <laughs> I mean, is it brainwashing? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, but it's no different than me. I'm, when I said brainwashing, that made me think of my friends who say, you know, my son, he's a New York kid. He was born in New York. Yeah. And I'm from Detroit, right. so I try to tell him we're going to root for the Detroit sports teams, yeah. which is brainwashing. Sure, so it's sure, just there's different. N- there's no outfit to that, but there's a, there. I mean, there <laughs> if I put a, a jersey hat, on him, there jer- is right. There's no, but you don't have to wear payas. But there's no payas involved. Yeah, that'd be, here, you know. here's one thing I have to say that that bugs me when I see all these Hasidic kids. Like they're so, and I don't want to go on off off on yeah. some religious no, we don't have to. religion, but. One thing that bugs me when I see that is like when you see kids that wear yarmulkes, yeah. but it's the ones like they'll have like Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah, Turtles yeah, on yeah. it. It's or like, a watermelon slice. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Or a basketball yeah, where yeah, I feel yeah. like, so you're that religious that you have to wear this, <laughs> but you're going to, isn't that disrespectful? <laughs> if you're trying to respect God, God, what if he it's like, like, oh, I'm going to have this fun thing. Yeah. I don't know. It seems a little weird to me, but all this at the same time, I also feel like with religion, just mm-hmm. You have to make it work for you. So if that's how you do it, no problem. 
so Detroit, I don't even, I can't even imagine Detroit. Like you, was that your city? You're lost, dude. Yeah. You went you, to that, Detroit? That you can't imagine it because it's the best. Is it? I, I think it's very uh, underrated. You grew up going to Detroit? I actually did not spend a lot of time downtown. Because now it's like, uh, it's a little, it, it's coming back, it's bouncing back, you know, the- uh, Maybe know, a little. Chefs and artists are moving into places that people left, <laughs> and that's always a sign of a city's resurgence when the gay community runs in, uh, moves in and the chefs and the artists come. Yeah, and a lot of urban gardening. Yeah, urban Ro- gardening. Rooftop sure, gardening. Sure. I thought I heard a story- Local. Maybe. They call it local. When I watch Cooking Network, it's like a lot of local produce, <laughs> yeah. and then they always cut to the guy on the roof cutting pieces of herb yeah yeah i have heard about that <laughs> there's a lot of that in brooklyn yeah like oh, in sure. williamsburg i think yeah very fashionable oh yeah but it's where great. you eat at a restaurant in someone's house it's not a restaurant it's a sitting oh it's really just, no I, there are those places i yeah we, I, we do sittings we have two tables <laughs> sittings <laughs> yeah and they bring in stuff that they made on the roof they we grew this but it's kind of great, though. No, it's, I like that. Even in the way, like, having this sausage, which you did not make and grow and kill the animal, but... Yeah, no, I, I always cook my own food, and I, and I wish I was more local-oriented. I, I wish I... You know, there's no reason I shouldn't be growing microgreens out here. You know, I have room to have a microgreen garden. Yeah. But I, I'm a compulsive eater, so, like, I can't be that delicate. Even if you join one of them boxes, you know, where they you get the healthy box. What's that? Well, they deliver <laughs> it to you. Like, you know, you... you like a CSA? What is, is that, that? What that community? Yeah, 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 yeah. We sign, do that, right? And they show up pretty with, awesome with kale and seasonal vegetables. Yes, but then there's a lot of pressure, and like even if I go shopping, I just went shopping yesterday, and now like right now, I'm thinking like I should be eating things I bought now. Like there, it seems to be the day after I shop, it's like now it's a race to eat the entire box of cereal. I don't know what that is. I mean before? Oh, I was about to say before it goes bad. No, like no, it's just like it's here now. I can eat it. Yeah, take it easy. Slow down. There's no rush. I know. Be, I've, I ate one of my sausages. Oh, so good. All right, so Detroit, Jews, where does comedy come in? So what did you do in uh, high school? You Were you a cool kid? or? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm being general, but I'm trying to picture you because like, I had an idea who you were, and mm-hmm. turns out like you're, you're half of that. <laughs> the other half is, is better than I anticipated. That's good. Yeah, I always knew that you were a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And very funny, mm-hmm. but again, I thought I felt a little standoffness uh, early on. But again, you, you call your thing—that's your thing. Really, it didn't even register that the, when I showed up at Conan. What was like when you said, "Oh, Marin's on the show"? What was your first thought? Like, oh, well, <laughs> that was pretty much it. <laughs> uh, no, all right, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> No, I always thought you were a really funny co- comic, right. and but just but very hard. And you're like, oh, that guy's probably tough to get to know. He's probably tough to but there was never animosity like, okay i never thought oh he's an asshole oh good, good just good. he's a very angry guy <laughs> no, he's a I, very angry comic and yeah yeah but there was just i just didn't know you well and there right. was never like i never thought you were oh this guy's so unfunny and what a ugh. yeah i guess i always thought that because we we have we share a common semitic background and i feel like we're probably similar in the way we were brought up that immediately we should be uh you know talking about masturbation and how we're not really jewy <laughs> well in that sense yeah we should we have a lot in common am i making that up have you ever noticed that when jewish guys get together it's only a matter of minutes before masturbation comes up really i have not noticed that no okay maybe. i just try to keep that under wraps all right all right i yeah. thought see this is so you're a little more you're, you're a little more um protected you know about you know? my masturbation yeah. habits yeah i guess I, so. I find unusual I kind of feel like if I, <laughs> whenever, if I, if I'm, 
and look, this is tough because I, yeah. you know, my wife loves the podcast. Well, She's I, I very don't, excited. I don't, to, want, I, don't want, to, I don't want you to go in any direction you don't feel comfortable with. Um, Do you, are you saying that she doesn't know that you're a compulsive masturbator? I'm sure she does. <laughs> Much in the same way that when I was in high school, and I thought, oh, when I call my when my mom says if you're going to be out late, just call, and I call her drunk saying hey i'm just gonna sleep at danny's tonight she doesn't know i'm drunk i'm i've been drinking and then years later i find out she did and i'm like really yeah. where i feel like i'm sure my wife doesn't know that i masturbate all the time and of course she must yeah i now she does that's so weird your mom made you do that see my parents made me do that too what's that just call but yeah, that's they, good I'll, they were never like you have to be home it was just if you're gonna be out past a certain hour just call us and let us know but did you ever get that time didn't you always wake <laughs> them up and then you wonder why did they make me wake them up like i'd call and they'd be like hello and i'm like hey, i'm not I'm, I'm still out okay and then they hang up i guess there was that but i think i never wondered oh what was that about <laughs> i think it was just i knew i had to check in right and that was it's a it. good thing as long as i felt like i did it there was never any yeah she never my mom so yeah. it might get to a point with your kid when you, you set the same parameters. Oh, man. That just seems like it's going to be crazy. But that, you can always drop the Hashem card. <laughs> Hashem wants you to call <laughs> at 1 o'clock. Like, the second he doesn't call you, by the time you tell him, Hashem. Uh, oh, God. Well, look, I don't know what he's going to be like. I mean, even we, he was uh, you know, he was circumcised, yeah. which was a whole crazy thing in and of itself. Like, Why? I, I, because I hadn't even thought twice about it. just seemed like, oh, yeah, he'll be circumcised. Right. And then that morning it was just, what are we doing? I didn't research this enough. Is this the right thing? And had so much anxiety. But the the Moyle who showed up was really great. Did, you a, great, did, did a great job. Yeah. And you, he you, did. You did a bris. No, we just had a couple friends over and that was it. For the dick cutting. <laughs> for the dick cutting. Yeah. For the dick slice. <laughs> we just had four friends, more for emotional support. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't like a big bris with a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, but the Moyle was really great about how he phrased it. He was, you know, he was a guy that wore a yarmulke, but was yeah. pretty casual about it. And, yeah. Uh, not casual in his process, yeah. but he said, look, if your son grows up and chooses to remain Jewish, which I thought was a really interesting thing for him to say, who seemed like a very religious guy, it was very cool that he at least acknowledged, here's a choice that you have or your right. son will have if he wants to right. be a Jewish person. Right. Uh, so, so you're saying that this will be done. Is that what he was saying? That like, if he grows up and he chooses to remain Jewish, uh, he'll have this done. This will, yeah. He won't have to then do it later. Right. <laughs> I didn't think of it in those terms. I just more was 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 impressed that he at least acknowledged and yeah. wasn't just this is how it's done. This is it. It was just if it was more or least an if involved. Yeah, my mother. Nice. My mother tells this story about the moil that was brought in for mine. Like she she tells it to me. She says, "Yeah, it was your grandpa Ben's moil, and he took so long, Mark." It took so like so. I'm thinking like this was horrible. You had this 90 year old guy who was laboring over cutting my penis. Oh, God. How did that affect me? Did it have an effect? It's crazy. How can it? I mean, what was your thoughts? So like you thought, well, maybe we should leave it. Why bother it? You know, I mean, well, uh, I mean, you're like to actually, yeah, to actually cut the dick skin. It yeah. seems like it's pretty fucking awful. But then the al the alternative is you'd have one of those uncut ones, which yeah. you know, which are always shocking. And to then me. what? And then it's just yeah, yeah it's, like it's, it looks funny. It's not going to look like yours. <laughs> then you have to have that discussion in a locker room when the kid's old enough. You take him to the Y. But is and, that such a big deal though to have that discussion and explain? Like it doesn't seem like. Well, it might be kind of dicey the first time. I always just thought, and I mean, it's it's terrible. I really did not know much about it and didn't research it. Yeah. It's also like a health thing and cleaning and 
infections. Yeah, right? but then but, there's the other side. There's the anti-circumcision people who are like, you know, this yeah. is the way it should be. This is natural. Yeah, this is how you're born. And, and this is more sensitive. And it makes sense. Better. Yeah, yeah. The but guy it, did a good job, though, the moil. Yeah. Well, that's good. Real clean. Hashem left pretty specific instructions. Clearly, we're supposed to cut it. Even though we're born a certain way, he made us a certain way. But to test our, 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 uh, our metal for being a Jew, Hashem said, take that shit off. Yeah. All right. So when did you get involved with the comedy? Uh, I guess in uh, high school. Yeah. I was playing. I played a lot of sports in high school. Were you a jock? I was. When I, when I went to high school, I, I played uh, soccer and basketball and baseball. Uh-huh. Letter and jacket? Then, did you have a letter jacket? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. You did? Yeah. SL. Southfield yeah. Lathrop. All right. My mom still has it. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, but how do you uh, reconcile that with being the uh, the sweet guy you are now? Were you an asshole jock? I don't know. I hope not. Come on. I don't think, think so. I don't think I was. Because I was. Did you hang around with assholes? <clears throat> no. Okay. No, we. It was uh, pretty low key. I mean, those guys were always just yeah. That that always turned me off. Just dickhead kind yeah, of jock yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah. But I did Wee! play sport. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. But that. I mean, soccer. Yeah. I don't think it tracks a lot of those types of guys. It That's wasn't different. like the football players were always kind of right. dicks. Do you ever go back to your high school reunion? Have you done that yet? Did not do those. There was a few people that I do keep in touch with still, but a couple of them live in New York. Oh, yeah? A few of them don't, but I keep in touch with people. And now, of course, with the internet and Facebook and all that, it's so easy. But I didn't go back for a high school reunion. Maybe the next one. Why? Because I didn't want to go back until I had at least a letterman under my belt. Something. <laughs> yeah something like i just i guess i wasn't that curious to go back and connect and see yeah. people and say hi and all that it just felt like it's over I, I, but i also feel like because a lot of the people that i was better friends with i'm just in touch with and right some of them are even in new york so i see them and the other other people that and it's i don't know it just didn't feel the yeah. pull to go back and you know, not even spite just to see how fat they got or how no, nothing like that you're a good guy. But even why would you want to go spend your time, yeah, to go back and see who uh, who's who's fat and who's unsuccessful? That just sounds awful. Yeah. I, I guess I'm petty. But I was curious. I mean, yeah. I saw photos on the internet. Yeah. I'm not above that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. had this weird thing in my reunion where they voted for <clears throat> the most interesting job kind of thing. They had a little, and they voted me the one out of the, you know, expecting me to do stand up. You know, like they gave me this award and I was just sort of like, thank you. I appreciate it. And wanted to get the fuck out of there. And they're like, why are you talking you... about at the reunion? Yeah. Why didn't you want to do some stand up? They were hoping it would provoke me to do stand up. And it's like oh, the God. last thing I wanted to do. And it was the, the same jocks were at the table, but they were bigger and fatter. And and I, I just like the the fear of doing stand up for that group was so in, insanely deep. I did not do it. Yeah, but that doesn't even sound fun. No, the whole thing was horrible. It just sounds like, why even, ugh, just, hey, let's get you up here to do some stuff. Hey, yeah. everyone, Mark, huh? Yeah, no, the worst, the worst. Oh. So, okay, so what'd you do, what kind of funny did you do in high school? Uh, I mean, eventually, I, they, uh, it was, I think, sophomore year or junior year, they had a, a big all-school assembly, and they yeah. had a play, and it was Grease, and I thought, oh, that looks fun. Yeah. And I thought about trying it, and so I quit baseball, which was kind of a big deal at the time, because I loved it. Yeah, but I quit baseball to try for try out for a play. Did a play. It was really really. Fun. He quit yeah. baseball for theater. Yeah, huh. quit baseball for theater. Yeah, and it was worth it. It was worth it because you knew really... that baseball is a dead end street. No, I thought. <laughs> hey, look, I thought I was good. <laughs> I thought I was a good ball player. I didn't have like visions of the major leagues, but I felt like I don't know. Maybe I'll play college ball. Yeah, or soccer. Yeah. I always kind of thought I was good enough to play college soccer. Yeah, but I never pursued it because I, maybe in part because. 
uh, I knew I kind of liked theater and comedy, and that's when I decided. Who'd you play in Greece? I wasn't in Greece, but that's the play I saw that made me want to quit baseball to try a play. What was the first play? The first play was like a couple one acts. I can't remember, but then it was a play called "You Can't Take It With You." And I, I did that very, play. Did you? Mm-hmm. Wow, we are coming closer and closer. I, yeah, a, I don't know. I, I vaguely remember. I played like a two line part. You can't take. Was that Moss and Hart or something? I think so. Yeah, that you can't take right. it with me. It's a big family thing. It all takes place in a big house. Yes, that's it. Yeah. That Jason Robards, I think, did it. He was in your. uh, He was in your high school production. (laughs) (laughs) We won a contest. He was having a contest. What high school will I perform with? And we fucking won. (laughs) He nailed it. Yeah, and we all like hung out with it. It was the fucking best. Back when he was drinking. Yeah, fucking Robards, man. So cool, man. (laughs) So cool. And he just oh, we got to hang out. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) Partying with Robards. I do remember holding, I had some prop. Mm-hmm. I do this just, I remember this and it was, I think just a glass yeah. that I had to bring on stage. And for some reason I was holding it before the show, like when we were all kind of talking and I dropped it and it broke Yeah, and it was mortifying. And thankfully they found a replacement, but right. really, yeah, it was fucked up. Yeah. Right before you went on. And that's when Jason Robards, he took me aside <laughs> and he gave, he gave me some life lessons. He gave me some theater lessons. <laughs> gave me a drink. <laughs> And he told oh, you a story man. about working with Sam Peckinpah God, on the Ballad of Cable Hogue. I wish that were real. <laughs> That'd be so good. Yeah, pretty interesting news here. Uh, Jason <laughs> Robards, the actor, is uh, having a nationwide contest to uh, have a high school production. To a, you can't take it with you, and he's going to be in it with these kids <laughs> and spend uh, a year at the school. And he's going to live with the family. <laughs> <laughs> but doing theater when you're in high school, it's really like how... That moment right before you have to go on stage and that that heightened reality of doing a play, like it's so fucking addictive and frightening and insane. It Dude. was really fun. No, yeah. I totally got hooked. Yeah. I really knew I wanted to perform. And even yeah. in college, <clears throat> I knew I wanted to try comedy. My mom got me tickets to a, a Second City Touring Company in high school. Yeah. And I just loved it. I thought it was amazing and kind of wanted to do comedy and i think i I wanted to try stand up and i did a little in college but not much right i like doing the sketch and improv stuff but did a little stand up yeah um and just didn't like you know like joke telling just wasn't what i do and what i liked and what i felt like i was best at you liked improvising i liked doing that more and didn't really do that until i moved to chicago after college you graduated college i graduated college with a degree in communication you know i was yeah. i knew i wanted to do theater but i felt like i'm not getting a it's gonna leave degree. all doors open to the entertainment world yeah communication was so vague and the yeah. degree there was just nothing i don't yeah. even know what it was nothing yeah it really was a waste you did of a money. year in tv production and yeah like a couple t- it was not a very ext- it was terrible i yeah. mean i should have just got like a philosophy degree or something sure. else or english and yeah equally is a little yeah, more defined I guess so. but <laughs> also maybe a waste but i don't know it felt like a waste of a degree in money yeah but i was doing a lot of comedy and theater stuff and also taking theater classes and oh really doing, doing comedy shows yeah i mean i still wanted to do that what but kind of wanted... comedy shows in college like sketch and like you were in a group or it something? was a sketch group they had there called what was it called yeah called the comedy company yeah just a terrible yeah it's fucking not even clever name. or ironic or anything awful yeah what awful. school is this university of michigan the yeah. university of michigan comedy company i don't know if they still have it there or not but it was fun and i'm we you know the people that i did it with we also took a i took a year off of school yeah 
between junior and senior year, and we took it on the road. Yeah, like did our the comedy company, the co- the comedy company. Uh huh. Yeah, and you took it on the road and played. And other we called schools? it something else. We the, our group was called Just Kidding. Oh, really, really terrible name. Yeah, awful. But uh, we made our own tour, and it was not affiliated with University of Michigan. Right. So we're this just- is before yeah, this is before the internet mm-hmm. and being able to readily find numbers to call. We like we bought a huge book of just financial aid yeah so it listed all the just colleges across the country their financial aid departments so we would call the financial aid departments hi uh is there an entertainment division and like sometimes it would take five six seven whatever phone calls to finally get the right person yeah to say hey we're a comedy group and we're looking to book shows and so with that or through that process we were able to book like a year-long tour it wasn't maybe it was maybe I don't know, 30 to 40 shows all over a school year, mostly colleges, yeah. So you got through to the student activities office. Yes. And you said, we're college kids and we're yeah, doing a we fun thing. Yeah, we did a show and we, we were sort of put together a brochure that we made and sent it out and we're able to book. So you're doing like tour. small rooms and like you know, cafeterias and- Some cafeterias, yeah, some we, big theaters. It, it was all sorts of different types of shows. All original comedy. I think a lot of it might have been some of these comedy company sketches, but stuff that we wrote, right? And then wrote some new stuff for the shows. But uh, and was that where you started developing characters? Man, I don't know. I think that was more later, like after Chicago and moving to New York. This right. was all like, I mean, there was some really terrible sketches, you like know, what? like like the rock, like the heavy metal teacher, you yeah. know, and like shit like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was we all. It was some of it was pretty good but i i remember it mostly being just you know it's early and you're young and mm-hmm. writing kind of not so great comedy and you know terrible premises but some of it was fun we had a it was a very good time just traveling in this yeah. van we had a couple jason robards with you jason robards was great man you know he drove a lot and he was not like an asshole about being a celebrity and you know he'd take his shifts at the van and you know yeah he'd like sometimes like pull an extra shift he knew we were tired and like these kids need this experience yeah <laughs> buy liquor for you guys jason will go in and buy it man that's too bad that wasn't real <laughs> so when did you what uh, so what how do you go to chicago and you got did you sync up with the second city people or what how did that go yeah, I ended up, when I was in Michigan, I still was not sure what I was going to do. I knew I kind of wanted to maybe move to Chicago and yeah. there was Second City there. Yeah. But it was I was at the halfway point of my senior year of college and I ended up taking the train. I called to see if they ever had auditions for the show. For Second City. For Second City. Yeah. And I remember just getting some real fucking asshole on the phone. and Because I, I didn't know. I called and just said, hi, do you guys ever have uh, auditions for the for the cast? Uh, you have to go through the touring company first. Like someone really, really arrogant and condescending. How could you not know the system? Yeah, it was so fucking annoying. And I remember pretty sure I met that person. Like I put it together that, oh, this voice is this person. And they, I fucking hated them. They were just also not funny, yeah. terrible, but whatever. That's why they're the reception. They were, yeah, they yeah. were the box office. Right. Been there for years. Yeah. Really <laughs> fucking, oh, I fucking hated that person. What is the system though? And how far did you go into, into it? Cause I've had a few second city people and I've had some people that did the touring thing mm-hmm. extensively. Sudeikis did a lot of that. Yeah. Did you, how, how many hoops did you have to jump through? What did you take classes first and then did the classes first? Um, did that for maybe a year or so. And I was also doing classes elsewhere. There was a place Improv Olympic. Right. Where a lot of, you know, the UCB people came from originally. And uh, so I was doing classes at Second City, Improv Olympic. Um, 
was the other one theater deranged or was it was Anno- it? the annoyance the annoyance right yeah a lot of great people came from there jody well. lennon and uh, yep. yeah and she and that's still there that theater yeah. mick napier is the guy that right i think founded it and runs it um but I, yeah, I did the classes for a while and auditioned, I think even a couple more times for the touring company and then got hired and uh, toured for about a year and a half. Really? And it was really fun. I mean, it was great. And uh, Rachel Dratch was in my touring company and... Um, Adam McKay? Adam McKay was in the main stage show that I did. The main stage show. So after touring So company, you and Dratch were on the road together. <clears throat> we were on the road together. We were also in the main stage show together, which was, it was me and Rachel, Adam McKay, Scott Adsit, uh, a woman named Jenna Jolovitz, and a guy named Scott Allman. That was the whole thing. Yeah. And how does that work? You guys do sketches or improvise or how's it, what is it, what, how, what's a main stage mean? That means you do it, what? The main stage is like, is like the biggest stage they have there. There's right. basically, there's the touring company. They used to have a theater in the suburbs, which was Second City Northwest, which they closed uh, a few years after I started right. working there. But there's another stage in, at their main complex called the ETC. So you could either start at the Northwest and sort of move your way up, which I think was the normal process, but not everybody went that route. I ended up going from second from the touring company to the main stage, but I'd understudied all the, the other two stages a lot. I understudied Adsit, understudied uh, Stephen Colbert for, for a long time. And that just means you know their parts. Yes, you study their lines, so if they're ever sick, if they're ever out for whatever reason, you right. take their place. And Colbert, I just totally lucked out I was understudying what, him. You got sick a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he ended up moving to New York. Did that show? I think Exit Fifty Seven. Exit Fifty Seven with Jody Lennon and yeah. uh, Roush and Amy, Amy Sedaris. Sedaris and who else? Uh, Paul Paul Danello. Yeah, yeah. So he ended up le- like they had just opened a main stage show, and then he left to do that. So I ended up understudying him and got to be in the show for like a few months, and it was awesome. And it was just regular stage time. Like that show is. Five, six days a week and I think eight shows a week. So it was just, I was like, Working. Couldn't, couldn't believe it. Yeah. It was really fun. And he had this, a lot of great parts and roles and doing all this fun stuff and characters. And it was incredible for me. Um, and then after that is when I got the main stage when they were putting the new cast together. Um, and those were just sketches. Those are written things. All the sketches come from improv. Like while you're doing a show. Yeah. You're also, there's an improv set every night uh, after the show. Right. And when a new cast comes together and when you're starting to put together a new review, the way it works is you start working on material in the improv scene or the improv uh, sets. Everybody comes up with it or you come up with it? It's all collaborative. You might come with an idea Mm -hmm. and say, let's try this idea and improvise it. Or it might come from an audience suggestion. A lot of times what you do is, you know, you'll, uh, after the show, two people will sit down the stage and say, okay, we're going to take some suggestions, go backstage, pick which ones we're going to do and come out and improvise. So some of the scenes in the review might be from those scenes right and you also might bring in ideas that are not written right and then in the improv sets you eventually start to keep workshopping some of the scenes that are working that you like yeah and start to write these scripts and these sketches that will end up in the mainstay in the show but it's all 
done through this improv process. See, that I think, all makes sense. It does. Because like sometimes I don't always understand sketch. And like I, I guess I'm like always looking for deeper meaning or, or closure or whatever. Uh, and it's always sort of eluded me how one writes a sketch. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that process makes more sense. That it doesn't, it's not about a narrative necessarily as much as it is just about the thing sort of coming to a finish somehow. <laughs> you, you know? Like, I think it, go ahead. Like even when I watch you, the, some of the stuff you do now, like I, I don't know where that comes from. And it's all very funny, but it's like it this. What what is the what does this mean? It doesn't mean. It doesn't have to mean anything. It doesn't have to mean anything. Yeah, it's just funny. Yeah, it's even even like when you're doing improv scenes and things that I learned from watching people and talking to people and being and directors. Yeah, you, know, you don't have to necessarily worry about what's the ending. It just have it be about this moment and that's all it has to be right. some stuff should have like a beginning middle right. end, and all that but yeah. it doesn't always have to have that yeah i don't so, think so so after that when did what when did you move to new york and when did uh the, the conan thing was a big a big thing right yeah after first what happened for me after chicago was dana carvey show oh, and that was, louis was right louis ck someone actually wrote me an email recently it's like quit using first names we don't assume we all know people and i'm like what's this? i'm talking to somebody shut up but <laughs> <laughs> but Louis and Smigel were the head writers. But that's how we all talk to each other. It is. Louis yeah. C.K. and Robert Smigel. <laughs> yeah. That was their thing, and that was pretty controversial. The show? Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, look, it was awesome. I, I mean, it's it was controversial for stupid reasons. I mean, it was just in the wrong time slot, and people didn't like it because it was after Home Improvement and before The Muppets, so it's like, oh, well. Yeah. Did, was, now, who cast you, Louis or Robert? Uh, well, I got hired as a writer. Okay. I wasn't hired as a By cast Louis? member. By, I guess it would be Smigel. both of them, Smigel yeah. and Louis, both of them. Yeah. Because I came out, I auditioned for uh, SNL that summer, and then Smigel had seen my how, audition. How far did you get in that process? Did you meet with Lauren? I did meet him, but it was only just from being out there and auditioning, just shook his hand yeah. and said hi, and that was it. But it was no second round right. or anything like that. right. But Smigel, who was still sort of working there a lot or had a big hand in there, yeah. he had access to all the auditions and people that didn't get hired to look at that for Dana Carvey show. And so through seeing that, he liked my audition, got in touch with Tom Giannis, who was my director at the time at Second City, and said, oh, make sure Glazer does this for his Dana Carvey audition. So did some of the same things, didn't get hired as a cast member, but they liked what I had done and asked me if I'd be interested in submitting as a writer. And I said, Sure. And even like what you're saying, like, how do you write a sketch? And what is that? Like, I felt like I had no idea, did not envision myself as a writer ever. So what was the process? What'd you turn in? I just sat down and spent a few days just trying to think of ideas for sketches. If there was ideas I had that I thought might be funny and just wrote them and just didn't, I didn't try to think about anything other than I'm just going to write what I think is funny. I'm going to write a sketch that I think is funny. I remember even drawing some some drawings on one of these sketches mm-hmm. for some of these ideas because I felt like this might not make sense. So I'm just going to draw what I think this would look like. <laughs> yeah. And Louis actually said for one of those, he's like, oh, that actually was funny and it made sense and it actually helped. <laughs> and at least showed like, well, it's here's a sketch and at least shows also how you're thinking about right. things where so, it's more conceptual and visual. Yeah. And, and that for helped me, you. I think it helped. And to me, like the point of that is just, you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just I always, communicating you're funny. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the most, even when I was at Conan and friends of mine would say, what should I submit for my packet? Obviously, when you're submitting to a show like that, you want to submit things that they think they can do. Yeah. It can't just be, 
all these crazy ideas like well that's amazing but we could never do that on the show it has to be that balance and also you seem so specific in how you're going to be funny like a lot of the characters you did on conan were just and i think it's expected that you know you've only got a couple of minutes of screen time yeah. so you're the guy with the little hands or you're the guy you know <laughs> yeah. with the hulk wrist or whatever yeah yeah I, I mean so that's basically the pitch right is like they know you as a funny guy and you're like i'm just gonna have little hands well for that show especially it's just specific to either what's the idea like new characters whereas like wrist hulk would be for that yeah but yeah it's all short very yeah. quick bursts and yeah. you don't have any time to get an idea across yeah you just got to be funny yeah but that is what i liked doing even now like even with screenplays do i want to do that i i would if i had what i felt was the right idea but i always feel like i'm more just short form whether yeah. it's sketch or like this book that i wrote and i did not say that to plug it but uh is that even like book? No, that was all that. That was that, a joke. That was that this book I wrote, the Dead Dad and ZZ Top book. I don't know if you ever saw that. I did not. It's all just short pieces. Yeah. I don't know if I could ever write a novel. I don't think ever. Right. There's no way. When did I see you? When were you doing all that stuff? With, uh, let's talk about that night, because I was hosting some event at the Irving Plaza. I don't remember what it was, for Jeff Singer or something. Do you remember what it was? The Best of Luna or some shit? Or what yeah, was it? it was uh, the Luna, La or the, yeah, like the Eating It? Yeah, Is yeah. That what he started eating, calling yeah, it? Yeah, Eating It. At Irving Plaza, and it was a big show. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember you always wearing some form of 80s attire. That was my, you had a headband on or shorts. That uh, was me and Benjamin. Yeah, but those were sweatsuits, I think, at that time. No, I think we had like... Headbands. We had bow ties around our necks. Yeah. White bow ties. We might have had headbands. Yeah. And then some white shorts and white shirts. Matching. It was very athletic. Yeah. And they were matching outfits. Athletic then, 80s. Disco athletic. Yeah. Yeah. And then big yellow, probably I would say three foot diameter balls. Yeah. Balloons. And we were performing that thing. We were like a two man. I can't remember what was the name of the group. We were a two man performance team from I think somewhere in Florida. I can't remember the name of it, but it doesn't matter. And we yeah. were performing to that song that, you know, wouldn't you love to fly in my beautiful balloon? And a lot of sweeping gestures as we're each holding these yeah. big yellow balls. I'm yeah. doing them right now as I'm sitting in my yeah. chair. You know, and so it's a choreographed piece. Yeah. And then maybe a minute into the song, you know, it was lots of, you know, slow sweeping motions with the ball, but then lots of leaps and spins. Yeah, silly the, leaps. Yeah, very yeah. silly. Yeah. And then at one point, you know, lots of like jumping in the air and crisscrossing. Yeah, yeah. And then at one point after doing some of this, we collide and both go down. Right. And like, you know, we're just, and the music did yeah. never stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the music's still playing and we're both just laying there writhing in pain or I'm writhing in pain and Benjamin's out cold. Yeah, yeah. And it just became this bit of just me getting up, the music still just, that's uh, the whole j stupid joke. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun, peppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just was on a loop. Yeah. So it eventually would resolve and then very quickly start over again. Right. And the beginning of the song is like, da, 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 da. And it was always really just fun when it would start again. So yeah, I'm, I'm just like, my head is hurting and I go to check Benjamin and you know, you can tell by the body language cause you're not hearing dialogue. Right. Just watching people on stage and listening to this song right start to realize something is wrong is it, it's not okay and i'm gesturing and you yeah. can't you were hosting the show yeah. you come out and you're I'm trying to gesture that he's hurt yeah and you're like motioning and then some like paramedics yeah yeah cedar and and uh i think cedar i think it was cedar i think it was rob hubel might yeah. have been one of the guys yeah and this guy i think phil mcglaston and gary wilms were two actors that i knew so we had actually two separate paramedic teams so it's four paramedics with stretchers. Yeah. They had stretchers. Yeah. And Benjamin always loved that, even though we're doing this stupid comedy bit, 
and the music's blaring. Keep no going. one, so no one can on for, hear us yeah. on stage, but all the guys playing paramedics, you know, no one's like, hey, Benjamin, fuck you and being a dick. Right. They're all like totally yeah. committing. Yeah. Sir, you're okay. We're going to put this. In, you're okay. You're fine, sir. Like they were really yeah, yeah, yeah. Good in character. Yeah. And he's just laying there like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the music's looping. The music keeps looping. So they put him on a stretcher and they yeah. wheeled him out. Right on this gurney and that we probably at the end came back and just started yelling at the audience you fucking idiots you believe that you thought it was real i don't think you did i think that i went out i'm I'm sorry you know everything's taken care of Uh, (laughs) it'll be okay i do remember us doing that a couple times hooking off the audience like doing a bit like that and then coming back on stage you fucking idiots thought that was real (laughs) yeah i don't fucking idiots (laughs) i feel like we did because i remember walsh like why do why do you do that yeah Why, like, just, just, it's just being funny just being stupid well, but, how, but that type of comedy was it like Andy Kaufman an influence on you at all or did you care or was it just you just like that yeah, like in between real and fake and I mean I guess for people. me yeah it's it's not so much fucking with people because I feel like you you know no one's yeah, really. really thinks it's right. someone's hurt right. it, to me it's just more about the the joy of just more of a performance as as a piece yeah. as opposed to even the, not jokes even though I think there are funny moments that are happening like it's just all timing and how things are unfolding that to me is enjoyable as far as doing stuff on stage right so okay how long were you at Conan uh five years it's a long time yeah a lot of characters was a long time good times very good times because do you okay i remember i interviewed you uh right before the first season when we were doing break room live and you came out in character so where did the i uh, did yeah ski mask Mm -hmm. yeah really yeah did they affect the voice and Mm -hmm. the edit Mm -hmm. wow yeah we did a lot for you i think we might (laughs) have i think we might have figured out a way to do it while you were talking or maybe the guy you were working with had a way to to run the mic through something. Well, so, I use like a harmonizer when I do the live shows. And right. It just sounds awesome. Right. Yeah, it was great. Where where did this, uh, where did that come from? Was that a sketch originally? The delocated idea? Yeah. I was doing it, actually, when I lived in LA for like a year and a half, and I had this idea for an impressionist who was in the witness protection program. And same, very much, very, like the character is essentially the same at his core as the delocated guy. This yeah. super smug, asshole dick. Yeah that has a lot of confidence in himself right? and his, and in this case, his material. And the guy was just a shitty impressionist, hacky material, um, but thought very highly of himself that he wanted to actually still get out there and perform. So he put the ski mask on and affected his voice. And the joke was that all the impressions just sounded the same. They were all that voice. It was really dumb, yeah. but it was really fun to do. Yeah. Um, and I put that in my Conan submission packet and they liked that. And when I got hired, I actually did that character on the show. Right. Um, but when I quit Conan, I just always liked that character and the, that guy, that just smug jerk and wanted to do something with it and came up with the idea for the show and pitched it and thankfully got to do it. And this is the third season. This is the third season. Now, Joe Mandy wrote the episode I saw last night. Mm-hmm. Did he write all of them with you? He wrote, we had, we hired a few writers to, uh, help with the scripts and it was just nice to be able to not have so much to do, but also get other people's voices. And Joe was great. He's He's a really funny guy. Yeah. 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 And now the, the outside of this sort of weird narrative of the, the Russian mob and everything else, I mean, like the episode, this is one of these examples, the episode I watched revolved around the potato skins bar. Mm Mm-hmm. 
where does that shit come from? <laughs> I mean, like, like to me, like, because I'm, uh, you know, I, I deal more with like whatever's going on with me. That the idea of coming up with that idea as a, as a kernel of a bit, saying oh, it's going to be a potato skins bar and then it's going to be a nachos bar, but like the then to follow through with it, it's it's like bizarre to me that you're like, no, we're gonna this is going to be the show. I can't remember where that idea came from specifically, but that makes me think of just for example, like. Where do these ideas come from? I mean, it really could come from anywhere and at any time. Right, but it's a matter but, of committing to it. I mean, like, you know. Well, be, that's the thing. Yeah, you have to commit to it hard. Really as long hard. As, it's, as long as it's funny, I feel like there's no problem in doing yeah. that. But even like, like the, we had the thing where my character was tap dancing in the last, in season two. And it was a thing where he, his brother was a tap dancer and died. And my character decided he had to tap his ashes across the country. <laughs> and the idea from that came from just me showing up to work. Uh, to write with these the two guys, John Lee and Vernon Chapman, who are part of the production company PFFR that I hired to help with the show. The Wonder Shows and guys. The Wonder I know, Shows and guys. I knew Vernon when he was a stand-up. They're really funny guys. And yeah. They're great writers. And they, they they draw from there's like there's something that like certain guys do like those guys do and you seem to do and Tim and Eric does where you know your points of reference are so specific yet so bizarre like even in the live show last night to play off like these weird disco you know music numbers and to play off mm -hmm. certain fragments of old television and in these it just i don't know where that tone comes from do you i mean i don't honestly every time people ask that i just i'm not sure how to answer it other than to say and i always feel like it sounds like an asshole like i don't know like that's just how my my brain works that's just how i think but it was and what, funny to you what at some point to me time. Is, what's i mean the, the 80s must have been funny to you on some level <laughs> to me it's less about the 80s and more just like i just like this character he's right he just feels like this is a good outfit right <laughs> this looks cool <laughs> or just think this is hot or this is sexy right. like those shorts are just these hot short shorts right the glitter shorts and like the knee-high socks yeah. yeah and to me i don't know it's just fun to be like this obnoxious to sell That's, that yeah, yeah yeah this is who i am yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people think we're like just big weed smokers and just, oh my God, coming up this weird shit. And it's just, none of us are. Well, I just don't know where like, you know, the resources to like the, like my mind is so hung up on, you know, troubleshooting my life that when, <laughs> when somebody's able to draw from like, you know, if you watch Tim and Eric and the way they kind of pull from, you know, public access and that tone right. and all these different, they're, they're really sort of, you know, tones or modes of media that are hilarious when applied correctly. Yeah, that I, I just don't and I know it's stupid to say where does someone's creativity come from but there seems to be a there seems to be a theme to the guy you know and, and something between members only jackets and potato skins bars well certainly I think a part of it does come from the character as far as and I think this just goes more to the point of the subject matter of the show not the witness protection program but the reality aspect of it and the fame whore right and the desire for fame so here's a guy who is just very confident in who he is and putting himself on TV, but I and also I think an aspect of it, you know, he's a dad, and it's a lot of dad stuff. Like yeah. those outfits are very. My I never patterned this specifically after my dad, but I feel like it might have been more so than I realized because my dad came to visit set this past season. It was really fucking weird because I'm dressed in character, and then my dad showed up, and we're just hanging out between takes talking and i realized we were dressed exactly alike <laughs> exactly alike i'm not kidding like not the same shirts but yeah. striped polos tucked into jeans braided belt loafers it was so fucking weird and even like the dumb did he notice it 
I must have said something. I'm not sure if he said it, but I was very aware of it and was like, whoa, holy shit. Because that dumb character noise, that, or the noise my character makes, that hop, like yeah. that, that's my dad. Yeah. And that to me is just a thing a dad does thinking he's being funny. That's a noise. Oh, hey, guy, kids, what's up? You know? Yeah. So, and it's weird because a lot of the humor on the show to me is just us being as dumb as we can for this character, not like face value funny. Like going to the bone zone. Yeah. That's not a joke we thought of as a great joke. Right. This is a joke we thought of as that this asshole would say. <laughs> character would say, but it still ends up being funny. And your dad and was like that? And even things like skins. I mean, <laughs> my dad's a good guy. He's a good dad, but yeah. he's just, you know, he's sometimes like that. Like, huh? does that yeah. noise. And what, what did he do? He was in the produce business for a very long time. Worked for a big grocery store chain called Farmer Jack. Really? Uh, yeah. And uh, salesman, or I guess yeah, a lot of. Uh, I think he ran the warehouse for a while, then worked at the like the this produce ter- the produce terminal downtown Detroit. Did that for a long time, and now does a lot of construction stuff. So did he come home with vegetables a lot? Or <laughs> yeah, he just show up with fruit, <laughs> fruit and vegetables. You would think he would. One it's thing he said, no, never, I, nope. Mm-hmm. Hey, honey, I brought home some. It was the, more. It was nice more, lettuce today. It was more of the business aspect oh, okay. of it. Boxes, of like, yeah, moving boxes and yeah. crates. Yeah. Tell me, like, when you go to a grocery store, you'll see it's all about the display. <laughs> That's some wisdom. Yeah. When you go in and look, he's like, just take a look. You'll see the the top chains. It's just take a note of how they display the produce. Yeah. So, and I think about that to this day. It's all about the presentation. It's all. about Do you know the display. where the good produce is? Like in the back, like the newer stuff. Do you think about that? How it's rotated. I don't. It never became about that. It was all about the aesthetics. Okay. That's the lesson I got. Do you have that conversation? Have you shared that with your son? Uh, when me... he's old enough. Yeah. When he's old enough, we'll into... sit down. Uh-huh. Yeah. My son recently came, it was weird. He's in kindergarten. We're going to school and he comes out and he's like, I want to dress like Zadie, which is Yiddish for a grandfather, which is how my dad prefers to be called. And you're he was, surrounded with it, man. I'm Hashem, telling you, it's, Zadie. it's all, yes, mm-hmm. it's tough. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm fighting it. Okay. I'm All resisting right. it. Hard. Running to the bathroom at the mention of Hashem. <laughs> <laughs> the Hashem room. Yeah. <laughs> God doesn't see you when you let the, shut the bathroom door. No. Yeah. No. But my son came out of his room. He kind of likes to put outfits together now and said, I want to dress like Zadie. And it was a polo shirt and a belt and tucked into jeans. <laughs> And I was like, holy shit, how do I put a stop to this? <laughs> it's pretty cute, though. Oh, that's hilarious. Are your parents, uh, are they happy with your uh, choice in life? Yeah, they're, they've always been very supportive. I know when I took that year off of school to travel with my friends, my dad was not happy about it. And he was very concerned, but I had to just make sure he understood, reassure him that I was going back to finish school. Because I wanted to. That was important to me. Right. Um but ever since they've been very supportive and that's been great and they're psyched of course about what's going on and you have a you, you recently adopted a second child yeah we adopted a little girl this was a deck conversation that we had earlier you and i my brother has three adopted kids yeah and uh, there's always that yeah you said you, you bought you bought another kid I you said, bought a kid i said that i said you <laughs> bought a kid because there is money involved there's money involved yeah not for free no they don't just give you the kid Mm-mm. we'd like to take care of that kid and make it our own here yeah. you go yeah it's more like okay well there is a fee for a thing they don't yeah. outwardly say i imagine that kid's going to be twenty thousand dollars it's a lot of money i mean yeah. we we hired an adoption lawyer right instead of an agency yeah which actually proved to be very benefit or just by chance very helpful with how ours adoption went but uh yeah it's expensive 
but having a baby is expensive. I mean, the hospital stuff and the pregnancy. No, absolutely. No, it's all, it's always, it's just, just a, it's an interesting no thing that my brother has three kids. And when I bring it up, there's always that moment <laughs> where people are like, well, what, uh, what, what kind of white or <laughs> did, where'd they come from? Where'd they come? Because now you hear people like, we've got a Jamaican baby or a Chinese yeah. baby or, you know. I'll tell you, our baby, yeah, fucking USA, man. Right on, man. Fucking America, baby. American-made baby. I was cool with adoption. I told my wife, we're going to America. Yeah, I want American, yeah, American-made or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Good for you. And what kind of baby <laughs> did you? <laughs> she is, look, she's a beautiful American baby. Okay. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. I mean, doesn't that's matter. the thing about uh, And we named her. We named her. Her first name is Red, mm -hmm. and her middle name is White and Blue. <laughs> nice. Red, White, and Blue Glazer. Yeah. Red, White, and Blue King Glazer. Yeah, yeah. Did you name her Jewie? Jewie? Yeah. Ruth, Sarah, Rachel, <laughs> no. Cheryl, we, Jill. Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> Julie. <laughs> uh yeah it was not very her frederica oh that's nice not very jewy named after a relative or no we just when we were thinking of names for my son we were, before we knew he was going to be a boy we went through names and just kind of liked fred that name freddie it's pretty cute what's your what's your boy's name nathan nathan he's nate, nate and freddie so now you're back very in it cute. you got that's yeah. a big uh, big age difference six and newborn yeah i was slightly concerned about it but uh not overly so but it's awesome. I mean, even just the, he's so, it's just watching him with her is just, you know, it's unreal. It's so, yeah. he wanted a sibling for very long and uh, was always asking about a sibling and yeah, talking Make another about one, it. make another yeah, one. Yeah, I want, we should get a sister and a brother. And even when we told him. We should get them, yeah, get one. Yeah. And you did. And we did. That's how, <laughs> that's what we told him. It was a really bizarro thing to so sit down with him and talk to him about it because it all happened very quickly you just did it to get out of explaining sex to your kid didn't you pretty much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 by doing that i still had to explain it yeah i was like you know so when mommies and daddies make a baby you know and they put it in and then you know make it you know rub it yeah and stimulate it so stuff comes out right so i still had to explain that to say we didn't do that <laughs> Someone else did. <laughs> Someone else did. And we are buying that baby. <laughs> <laughs> and, then and that's why you're going to have less toys. <laughs> because we don't have the money for those anymore. Yeah, we gave you a living toy. Because we had to buy <laughs> this baby. <laughs> and he just had a look on his face like, all right, I understand. Yeah, sure. I understand. Uh, I'll ask Hashem. Okay, yeah. yeah. Hold on one second. Hashem? <laughs> I'll ask I'll ask Hashem. And he just, he got real quiet. Yeah. And he just walked to the Hashem room. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my stepdad telling me about that when he and my mom told me they were getting married. I was in high school. Oh. And he said, he was, he said he was actually very impressed about how I handled it. Like they just told me they were getting married. I remember those, both of those you? moments. Uh, when my mom and my stepdad got married, I was probably 14. And he said... Um, I just sort of like sat there quietly. Yeah, you know, just took it in. Uh huh. Kind of just got up from the table, went upstairs, put on like shorts and t-shirt and my running shoes, and just went jogging. <laughs> but it wasn't like I could go like running somewhere and then come back. We right. lived in this apartment complex right. that sort of had a loop. So like they told me they were getting married, and then I just left and they watched me 
run laps <laughs> <laughs> around the building but he yeah but he said he was well it was like around five buildings yeah it wasn't just like shoo, shoo, like yeah. quick laps right but he said he was like oh that's i'm very impressed how he's handling this and he's dealing with it yeah but also when my dad i remember when he told me he was getting remarried the first time yeah um i was in sixth grade and I was taking violin lessons, I was doing, uh-huh. I think, the Suzuki. Uh-huh. And he picked me up, and he, my mom always picked me up. So right away, I'm like, all uh-huh. right, okay. <laughs> this is after their divorce, obviously. Yes, right? yes. They live close by. How old were you when they got divorced? I was probably eight. Yeah. And so now sixth grade. Was that devastating? Like, it was pretty weird. I have vague memories of it, but uh, I remember being you know, just crying and yeah. sitting on the steps and just being really upset yeah. and yelling. But I don't remember the moment. Right. It's just all kind of vague, but I do remember being upsetting. But when he was getting remarried the first time, I do yeah. remember, yeah, picking up, me, you know, picking me up from violin, and uh, that was that was already something. I know something's up, something's not right. Yeah. And then, uh, hey, I thought we, you know, go get a bite to eat, you know, anywhere you want to go. I was like, all right, <laughs> the fuck is going on? Yeah. And, uh, and th- there was a sub shop, ironically enough, because I know I do all the sandwich humor stuff, which people are probably like, all right, we get it, you yeah. like sandwiches. But yeah. there was a place that I liked right across the street. I just, it was more about like, oh, well, let's just go there. Like right. I didn't, it wasn't like I was going to say, oh, great. Let's go to this great place. Yeah. I just knew something was up. Yeah. So we went there, but it wasn't a sit down place. So we get these sandwiches and just go sit in his car right. in the parking lot. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I can face face in the school across the street and I'm just sitting there kind of, you know, very kind of tight, you know, eating, your sandwich. eating my sub and it's right next to me and I'm, you know, tight to my chest. And I just. I kind of felt like I knew what was coming. Yeah. The more I'm just think, trying to think about like what is going on. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I think I know what's about to happen. So we're sitting there and kind of quietly eating. And he's like, hey, so, uh, you know, I got some news for you. And uh, just wanted to let you know that, you know, Shelly and I are decided to get married. And I can just, you know, feel my body just you know, <laughs> crunching the sandwich. Super tense and just not sure you just didn't know how to handle yeah. it but it was upsetting yeah and it shouldn't have been you know it should have been like oh great yeah you know you're, you're yeah, great good for you did you like shelly she was awesome yeah she was so cool but i was just like <laughs> didn't know how to handle it and yeah. so i did i did not say a word i just right. sat there just eating my sandwich probably not even eating it just yeah. but just kind of just, <laughs> and we just sat there in silence and then he eventually started the car and drove me back to my mom's. It was really fucking weird. And I don't think we've ever even talked about it. Not because we're avoiding it. I yeah. always just forget. But I always just, I want to, I feel like I have to just, what was he? Th- so just to know what he was thinking yeah. in that moment, how he felt. Yeah. So weird. Well, I think it must be weird for, for parents in general to sort of put adult things on the kids. I mean, they've got to go on with their lives, but you also want to protect your kid. But at some point, you're going to have to break this stuff to him. And what's a kid supposed to do, really? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it's sort of like, this is an adult thing. All you know. can do is explain it and just, you have to explain how you think is best. Like even with adopting this baby. Yeah. It was so weird. We just, because it, it really happened very quickly and it wasn't you, like we were preparing him for it. We didn't tell him we were in this process because that would just be confusing, I think. What, what what made you do that? You just knew you wanted another one and you didn't want to make one or what? We tried. Yeah. We tried to get pregnant. It didn't happen. And right. we had, even before we had kids, we had talked about, we were both open to adoption right. as an option. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we were trying again, it wasn't happening. We decided to turn to adoption and uh, we did it. And, you know, we spent a large portion of last year in the process of, and 
and then it all kind of came together very quickly. Did you know that like my when my brother did it, they they knew the parents like it was like my brother did that thing where his lawyer or whatever found a woman who was pregnant like all three kids they were there mm-hmm. at the birth give or take a wow yeah. we didn't have that experience I mean right. my wife met the mom right I did not right but uh, it was very brief yeah but this was a situation I think a lot of these adoptions now like the process I really have to say was not enjoyable for right. me at least like part of it was you know you go through the clearance of you know background checks security checks fbi fingerprints all that stuff right and then you have to wait to get approved and then you know there's home visits and all this stuff from you know social workers and all that and once you're cleared then you put your information out there however you know you can take ads in paper in the paper you know couple looking for baby whatever after you get approved after you get, so you approved. get stamped and then okay yes. do what you got to do to find a baby yes but a lot of people will put profiles online and it's just very open you're you know photos of yourselves photos of your family and you're uh-huh. selling yourselves uh-huh. and there's all sorts of copy and text for people that are adopting their babies to read because you're they're trying to find a good family and you're selling yourself as this great family and it's mm. so fucking weird and it made me very uncomfortable to just put ourselves out there like that yeah so publicly yeah. and there was a really, and I always feel like a real just jerk saying this because I don't consider myself famous and I'm, yeah. I don't consider myself like a known celebrity. Right. But like a part of me felt like, ah, what if it's like some family and they know who I am from Conan and they know where I live? Like it made me feel really weird. Yeah. And yeah. then I also hated myself for even assuming people would know who I am. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, ugh, well, how am I such an asshole that I even think this is a, <laughs> why would I, that shouldn't even be a factor. What a jerk, you know, so yeah. gross. And, yeah. But I also felt like I wanted to be somewhat realistic, even though the odds of that are probably huge. <laughs> but still, it's like you never know. And just, but for my own craziness, yeah. that just made me a little more uncomfortable about right. even just putting your information out. And we had this person helping us craft the text. Like we would submit text because some of these things are weird. And I don't want you know it's you don't want to judge because some of these stories are just heartbreaking. It's like of the kid for these families. Oh. It's like hard not to. You mean and why they're putting their kid up for adoption? No, why people are looking to adopt. Oh, really? I mean, though the people putting their kids up for an adoption, I, I mean, I can't even imagine yeah. how hard that is. Right. And for some people, maybe it's not. Right. But you read the stories, of, like you see these profiles, and you know some of them are just kind of weird. Some are like kind of seem like weirdo people. Oh, rel- what do you mean? With, with, like religious stuff, oh, you know, oh. like we knew it was God's plan. for Like oh, right. that kind of thing is. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to judge because people have just tough stories and right. they're trying to have kids. And, yeah. You know, it's just like online dating. You're just putting yourself out there. Yeah. And hoping to get that it, it happens. Yeah. And it could take so long. And But it just made me uncomfortable to just yeah. be that open and have photos. And this 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 lady that was helping us with our profile, yeah. you know, she's a web person. Uh-huh. She just kept changing the text to, and just trying to tell us, look, you got to sell yourselves. You got to sell this. What does that mean? Like I'm things a good like dad. I'm telling you, yes, there was... We'd write things like John is a blankety blank and this and this, and it would come back. And it was all written from uh, my wife's perspective right. because it's like the mom connecting, connecting with the mom. Right. And there was one thing that this woman helping us wrote like, fatherhood is the number one priority in John's life. Mm. And I'm like, fucking no way. This is not who we are. Yeah. This is not me. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's important, but to write that, that's so un. It just was gross, and she kept writing it really dramatic and flowery yeah. and just disgusting to me. It was gross and yeah. false. Yeah. So we kept telling her, stop doing that, All please, right. and finally got it to where we were okay with it. You just put up your Conan resume? 
Yeah, I put my resume <laughs> up. I put like, you know, I, I had a great still of me as Wrist Hulk. You know, I like I pixeled my face. I, I'm like, look, if they're going to figure out it's me, let them do the work. Yeah, yeah. They'll do the IMDb. Let them Google Wrist Hulk. Okay, that's the guy. Oh, they live in Brooklyn. Let's let's save our money and fly there and find and take photos of them with the baby. And we'll kidnap the baby and get them to pay us money if they want it back. Like those were my fantasies. Okay. <laughs> Celebrity John Glazer, victim of the, the baby con. But ultimately, you settled on something you were comfortable with and. Well, we were lucky. We the way the the way this went down, it happened like came out of nowhere. It wasn't like here's a family, here's the deal, you can go fly and meet them. Like it all happened not too far outside of New York and uh it happened really quick and before we didn't even have to put our profile online. I was oh, wow. so relieved. After all that work. Yes. Yeah. But I was very, very happy. And now you got incredible. your beautiful baby and you're happy. Yeah. It's really incredible. She's so cute. Yeah. I mean, she's really a cute, cute baby. Yeah, and and how long has it been now? Uh, a little over two months. Wow! And it was crazy timing too. Like we had, we were in the, and I was always worried it would happen while we were filming Delocated, and would I be able to go? Would we have to miss an opportunity? Yeah, because it could take years. You right. just hear these horror stories. You got to do it. Yeah. yeah, and thankfully it just all happened just crazy timing. Like, it, you know, it we picked her up the day after we wrapped. Wow, it was crazy. My mom just happened to be in town. Oh wow! So she was able to come with us, and yeah. we could take. Uh, uh, you know, take uh, take Nate to uh, take him out of school, um, and just have him uh, be a part of the experience. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's okay. Man. I know. I just I want yeah. to be able to tell the story. I'm, yeah. I'm not ashamed to cry. It's, no, just, it's hard to, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. get through the story, but it was really just. Uh, <sighs> just great that he could be there to for that moment yeah because uh, even telling him the day before that we're gonna go you know it's just trying to explain to your child hey we're gonna pick up a baby tomorrow yeah it's yeah. so bizarre <laughs> yeah, and yeah. To try to explain to him what it means and just the fact that he could go and the, even the age gap you know that he's older and i think could somewhat understand it and be so excited about it yeah and well, he's probably met adopted kids before right I'm not, I feel, I mean, I feel like he has, I'm not right. sure if he's been aware of it. Um, so it's you and your mom and your wife and your kid and you, and, and, and it just, who gives, how does it, who gives you the baby? How did we, we got to the hospital and, you know, at this point my wife had been there. So the kid uh, was still like, how old was it? Was she the, was days old. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was like a, not even a week old wow. when we picked her up. It's pretty unreal. I mean, it was incredible. And we had to scramble to get things, you know. The room set up and. Yeah, we had nothing yeah. because we had just like finished our profile. It wasn't even online yet. Oh. And we had to get, you know, it was a lot of scrambling. Like, can you pick up Nate from school? Yeah, I yeah, got to yeah. go to this hospital. Like calling friends. Who's got yeah, a car seat yeah. to take the baby home? Who's got a co-sleeper? Getting a few clothes just yeah, to start. Yeah. Diapers. Yeah. I mean, it was really incredible. But it wasn't, because it was our second kid, I think it wasn't as overwhelming i mean that stuff all happened right away i mean right. that's when you realize and this is also emotional like your friends just come through for you yeah and uh it's so it's so incredible when yeah, you see yeah. people just like don't even worry about it go we got it people showing up with food yeah and i will say to come back to all the jewish stuff <laughs> yeah. like a lot of these because nate is not in this preschool anymore right so many of these parents and moms that we met 
at the Jewish school. Yeah. Like we're bringing you food. We're bringing, we're cooking for you. We're getting you stuff like awesome. And like, that's the thing about religion and being Jewish and just that community that I love. Right. And that's the aspect of it that I think is great. Yeah. And when that happened, it was just, you know, and then it's me like, ugh, I'm an asshole. Yeah, you're right. Of course. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I'm such a jerk. Like, yeah. look how great these people, yeah, how yeah. generous. Yeah. And, oh, God, I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. And really moving. Um, and You know, was, but now it's like, yeah, no, fucking Hashem, no way. But yeah, I mean, no, but, I I mean get it. such sure, just sure. good people. Yeah, well, that's what it's always supposed to be about. That, to me, is what it's about yeah. and not all the crazy stuff yeah. and you know it's just a part of it and it was not even at the school it wasn't like hammered home but it was like just a little too much no yeah but, but you know me it, uncomfortable but it only makes us uncomfortable because it's so familiar and i think that one of the reasons we're uncomfortable is like is that what i'm going to be like there's a stereotype to it and i think that most of our aversion to it is trying to avoid the stereotype that because we think we're unique or whatever, you know, but it always comes down to like, hey, there's Zadie and uh, you, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so familiar that when you when you're an individual and you've built your life around something unique, you're like, I'm not like that. And then one day you're like, oh, I'm just going to sit down, you know? And, uh, well, I'm always curious about that, like, because even right now, I don't know, I feel like I've never been religious and I don't I, I still don't feel that. I don't feel that pull even with this. Like, I don't feel that. But my dad is much more, and I always do feel like, oh, am I gonna? Is that where I'm gonna end up? Just at some point, oh, maybe I am more religious, or yeah. I'll have an epiphany or an experience. Yeah. Like my sister just went to Israel, and she had it said it was super yeah, profound. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. and I've never had the yeah desire I'm, to I'm go. Same with you, yeah. I went once, and I'm like, oh, that's the last time I'm doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but she came back and really not changed. It's not right. like she's a different person, but it, it did affect her, and they're definitely more religious than me. And like she. When she came to visit recently and gave my son like a book about going to Israel. And then there was more like, oh, Jesus Christ, I got to read this book and it's got Hashem in it. And I'm like, how can I fucking, where am I going to hide this book? <laughs> like after we read it the first time and I felt terrible, but I'm like, I don't want to read this book to him again. Not yet. I mean, it just, ah, it's so weird, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's good that you have that community around you and, and congratulations on that. It sounds really amazing. Thanks. It's, it is awesome. It's yeah. so, it's so great. Yeah. It feels like even for me. Because even for me, it felt like, I don't know, I can kind of, I like having one and, you know, selfishly, I want to be able to not worry about too much. But once we got that baby and when it all happened, it just feels awesome. And it does feel good to have two kids. And it's really for my son, like just, that's the best part for me. Yeah. And he's so affectionate with her and he's so sweet. And it's, and he's also at an age where it's not going to be a competition you know yeah. there's enough distance where you're not gonna be beaten up on each other no that's another that's that's one thing i actually love about this age gap and just at, at the more went along and the closer we were getting to finishing our profile and like okay we're almost ready to do this and yeah. you know me, we just were meeting people that yeah. had those age gaps and i would see kids on the playgrounds oh how old are your, your boys oh uh, you know nine and four oh that's the same gap and right that's going to be awesome when they're older you know if they're sure well i mean because one can look out for the other one and there's not that competition thing you, you know like because i'm two and a half years from my brother and we beat the shit out of each other yeah because no like, it's, who's this new kid yeah well even when he even the fact that he's old enough to sort of understand and we could explain it to him because even to have to explain well to have to explain a baby in a tummy or an adoption is hard yeah, I don't yeah. even, it's uh, yeah. so to to do it to a almost six-year-old as opposed to a two and a half or three-year-old easier huge difference yeah. obviously well congratulations on the success of the show and your new family and everything else thanks man good talking to you you too
That's it. That's our show. That's John Glazer. That was very sweet. What a great guy. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Please go to go to the Comedy Works in Denver. Uh, if you're in Denver, tomorrow night, April 6th, and I'll also be there April 7th. going to be good shows. Love that club. Independent Comedy Club. Power to them. One of the best clubs in the country and also one of the uh, oldest clubs in the country. It's awesome. I'm excited to be there. Go to WTFPod.com. Get on, uh, get on the mailing list. Pick yourself up some merch. Kick in a few shekels. Find out the details about the app. Check my schedule there. It's all available at WTFPod.com. Uh, also, Just Coffee. Pow! Look out. I just shit my pants. Can I still do that? That's uh, the link to that, justcoffee.coop at WTFpod.com. If you get the WTF blend, I get a little on the back end there. What else can I tell you? 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 That's like one of those things where now it's supposed to just sort of blur into a dream sequence.